Today's scripture reading comes from 1 John 4, verses 7 to 18. It says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Dear friends, since God, loved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how God is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. This is the word of the Lord. Amazing. Thank you, Dylan. Beautifully navigated us through that middle part of the uh, service there. I'm doing the thing that you did, just pointing out really obvious moments that we will just travel through together. Anyway, moving right along, if we haven't met before, uh, my name is Aaron, and I'm so delighted that you would spend your uh, Sunday afternoon with us. This is your first time or your 100th time here. Yeah, I'm just really thankful that you would gather. It's cooler today, which is great. Uh, It means God is here. Uh, I did have to clarify before, he is still here when it's hot, but especially so when it's not. That rhymes. This is going to be good. Um, I don't know if you were here last week, but we had our annual Christmas service. I've got a few photos up on the screen. It was awesome. Who was here? Amazing. A lot of us. It was a lot hotter than it was now. But I just want to say my extended thank you as well for those who helped out. There were over 60 volunteers that helped to make that day happen, that sweated it inside and outside. And so just again, can I just, can we thank one another for that? It was awesome. And for such a small community, that's like such a large number of us. And so that's just really encouraging for us as uh, a New Life team. It's like, wow, you guys really want to get in and and see this mission advance in our city, which is so cool. Um, And I don't know about you, but one of my personal highlights was just seeing people respond to the gospel for the first time. Maybe you're one of those people here, and we're just so excited about that. That was a real treat as well. And this is why we do what we do, so that we might see more people more like Jesus here. Um, on Monday, I remember we, we gathered in our kind of office next door and Pastor Alex framed. He, if you know Alex, he's good with words, right? Um, I don't have the same eloquence, but he used this phrase where he's like, we have full hearts and tired bodies. And I was like, amen to that. And I think I still have a tired body, um, but I probably also just need to have a tablespoon of cement, like my brother would tell me, and harden up. Um, so we'll push through that together as well. Funny in my head. Um, <laughs> 
But one other thing this morning, I got to, um, part of my role is I get to go see some of our other church locations and, and be involved in their worship and culture and things like that there. And I was at the Christmas service in Coolangatta this morning and then our Christmas service at Rabina as well. And the reason why I bring that up is because it actually really challenged my imagination and it really challenged my prayer life as I was kind of driving towards these services. Because not once had I actually considered that as we gather each afternoon to hear the good news and hear the gospel preached, that this actually happens in so many places. And I know, again, this just feels like me pointing out a really obvious thing, but um, what a really special and beautiful thing. At both of those services, there is opportunity for the gospel, and at both of those services, people responded. And I don't know about you, but that just fills my heart with even more joy. And so as we gather this afternoon, we're going to pray in a moment. Why don't we just keep that in the front of our mind as well, that there are other people. Rabina still have their 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. service as well, and there's other churches throughout Brisbane City that are doing the same. There are people that might meet Jesus this afternoon, and I don't know about you, but that's exciting. And so as we gather and pray for what God might do here in our midst, why don't we pray for them and believe um, that God might move mightily there as well. So why don't you join me as we pray? Father, I just thank you that you are alive and active in your church today. I thank you that when we gather, it's not this guessing game of if you'll be here, but God, you are alive and you are here and you are present with us. Father, I thank you that um, your, your word, it doesn't return void and that there are people right around Brisbane and our state and our nation and the world, God, that especially at Christmas time, they hear the news of Christ for the first time. And God, I celebrate this afternoon that there are people that are saying yes to you. I thank you that last weekend in this place, there were people that said yes to do, yes to you, Lord. And Father, I just pray that as we go on this afternoon, that um, you would just remind our hearts that there is something bigger happening than just in our lives, than just in this place. But the King is here. He's present and he's moving and he's turning lives and hearts around. And so God, would you do the same with us this afternoon? Would my words just be a vehicle and would anything unhelpful or not funny just fall to the ground? And God, I just pray that your word would, would stay true. God, challenge us this afternoon. Move our hearts closer towards yours. Help us get the junk out in between ours and your heart. Holy Spirit, we want to hear you. We want to know you. And Jesus, we just want to become more like you. And so in your wonderful and holy name, all God's people said, amen. So we are in the last week of our Advent series. Uh, I don't know if you've been here for the last few weeks or if not, but I'm just going to recap them because I forgot. So I put this at the front of my sermon so I remember and together we can remember together. It's great. It's a win-win. Uh, so Pastor Alex kicked us off week one on hope. He used, um, he defined hope, sorry, as hope that is something that affects something future, sorry, that affects our present. Hope is uh, historical, it's not mythical, and it's humbling before it's exalting. And that it's not just for some of us, but it's for all of us. Hope is for all of us. Then the week after, Pastor Michael shared with us on joy this incredible message where he explained that happiness is circumstantial, whereas joy, joy is an eternal reality with an external trajectory. That there is joy, again, for all people. Good news for all. Then the week before last, Pastor Alex shared on peace, and again, he defined it as a future promise to the world. That peace is not the absence of conflict, but actually the presence of shalom. And so what a rich 
few weeks it has been. I feel like I should just say the word love and then sit down and pray and we'll keep it on a good kind of trajectory, but hopefully I'll expand a little bit more than that. Uh, and today, like I mentioned, we're going to be chatting about uh, the theme of love, the advent of love, the preparation, the coming, the beginning, the gift of love. And if you're anything like me, uh, earlier this week, or a bit earlier than just this week, a few weeks ago, I went and checked the preaching calendar. I was like, oh, cool, yep, I'm coming up the week after Christmas. Awesome, can't wait. Love, great, easy. I know about love, just got married, easy. Like, I have family, we love one another, easy. I have favorite things, easy. Like, love is easy. But as I sat down uh, with my full heart and tired body at my desk and I took a few brain breaks because I just need to get the cogs moving again and I was like, why are the words not appearing on the page? I soon realized that this topic of love that we're all so familiar with and it's oh so common and comfortable was actually a little bit harder to articulate than I first imagined. Uh, I don't know if you have heard of this thinker called Foreigner, but he wrote that, I want to know what love is. Yes, it worked. I was so proud of that one. I was like, do I sing it? Do I speak it? It's great. Beautiful thought. <laughs> but isn't it true? Like, I want to know, like, what is love? What is love? And um, like I mentioned before, a few months ago now, there was this really significant life change for me. Uh, it was a life change that shifted my schedule, that shifted when I woke up and when I went to bed and what I spent my days doing. And that was I started making sourdough again. And here's a photo of my loaf. Um, it's a really good loaf. That middle thing's called an ear. We can talk about that later. But um, this significantly changed my life because I don't know if you've made sourdough before. If you have, please, again, talk to me after. But this is like a long this process. It's like a three-day process. And so, like, one day you're prepping the leaven, and then everyone's like, I don't care. And then the next day you spend, like, from 7 to 1 p.m. prepping the dough in, like, Five, not five minutes, in like half an hour, hour increments, and you're doing this bulk fermentation process, and then you're picking it up and you put, like, this is a long process. Like, this has changed my life. And so now, every Friday, it's like, it's bread day. It's time to prep the bread for the weekend. Um, and so that was a really significant life change to me because I love sourdough. I really love sourdough. <laughs> as awesome as that. And then there was this other significant life change that happened, and I got married, um, which... I don't know why you're laughing, it's equal to sour, no, it was awesome, <laughs> I love you, Kenneth, I got the look that you got, Dylan, um, <laughs> love you, uh, I got married, and that was a really significant life change for me, another thing that love compelled, love changed my life, and it was this thing that, again, now my, my weeks are different, my days are different, I now have to be more intentional about when I make bread, because I also have to hang out with, like, a person, and not just a clump of dough, but... I got married because I love Candace. Uh, I love her. And um, this other thing in my life, we, we, you all gather and you join in with me as we sing. We sing to Jesus. And we, last weekend we sung the song, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. You're the one that our hearts adore. And I don't know about you, but again, as I was starting to prep this message, I was like, oh, heck, this word love is a little bit murky. Like, I go from saying I love sourdough with more passion than maybe I should, and then I go to saying I love my wife, and then I go to saying I love you, Jesus, and I'm like, ooh, what does love mean? Like, where, where is the line? How do we define this? What does it mean? It's confusing. 
Because I'm sure you, like me, you might struggle to define this word. You potentially would have a different definition of love to your neighbor, to your co-worker, or to your family member. In fact, this world is littered with definitions of this term and understanding of what it is. Uh, another thinker, Rick Astley, a man who is no stranger to love, or early adopters here, defined love as something that would never give you up, never let you down, it would never run around or desert you. Can I get an amen? It's never going to make you cry, it's never, ever going to say goodbye, it's never going to lie and hurt you. Let's pray. Yes, today could be a musical. There will be a dance coming out later. Um, but but we, we define this thing so differently. Others would say that love is simply love. It, it, it is what it is. And me trying to define it in and of itself is actually missing the point completely. Others would say that love is felt. It's an emotion. It's an, something that is emotive. Others would suggest that it's actually the opposite of that. Rather, love is simply a choice, something that we have to make daily when we don't feel like it. Society would suggest that without romantic love, we are in some sort of failure of our lives and we are actually missing out on something great and something grand. Love, what is it? How would you describe it? Because if just one of these definitions were exclusively true, I could probably, actually, I wouldn't be able to get up here this afternoon and preach a message saying that love is good news for all. Like that actually just wouldn't be possible. I couldn't. Because if the epitome of love was marriage, that's actually not good news for all people. Because if the epitome of love was a feeling, that too is not good news for all people. If love was simply a choice, that too, friends, is not good news for all people. So as we prepare for this coming of love, this advent of love, how can we be sure that this love is good news for all? What does our writer, what does this passage that John has written today suggest? Well, let's read it together. Verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, or beloved, it says in some translations, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Now, if you've been in the church for 100 years or 100 seconds, this is probably not something groundbreaking or shocking to you. But you see, this is actually the third time in John's letter, just some fun facts to kick us off here. This is the third time in John's letter that he has actually been talking about this concept of love. Um, I'll just quickly list those three kind of ideas so we have them in the forefront of our mind. In chapter 2, in verses 8 and 10, he writes that the light that should shine within us, it comes from love, when we love one another. And so those passages read, Yet I am writing to you a new commandment that is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever loves a brother or sister abides in the light, and in such person there is no cause for stumbling." Then later in chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, uh, John highlights this as a fruit of knowing that you've reached eternal life, or this fruit of eternal life. And he writes, uh, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. But here, in, in our passage today, John is not talking about the fruit or the evidence, but he's actually talking about the source, God's very nature of love. It's helpful as well just to note that there are three statements in the New Testament, the, part, the portion of the Bible that we're reading from today, um, that attribute God's nature to a substance. The first of those is in John 4, 24, where uh, we refer to him as spirit. 
The second one is 1 John 1.15, where we refer to him as light. And then Hebrews 12.29 refers to him as a consuming fire. And here on this list, John adds love. Now, what does this mean? Like, why, why am I bringing up these fun facts? Well, it means that we're not just addressing things that God dabbles in. Like, we're not just bringing up activities that God participates in. We're actually talking about who God is, the character, he, like who his heart is. God is love. It, it, loving, uh, yeah, God is love does not mean that loving is just one of his many activities, but rather all his activity is loving activity. God is love. And that therefore, if he judges, he judges in love. Meaning that if he shares compassion, he shares compassion in love. Meaning that uh, if he shows justice, it's in love. Because why? God is love. God is love. It's who he is. And this is starkly different to the image um, of gods that the ancient Near East would present to us in their kind of stories and and passages. But um, here we actually have an image of a creator God who out of beauty and out of love pours onto the pages, into the canvas of creation. What does this mean about Christmas? Well, it means that the real scandal of love was that God so loved the world that he sent his son. What do I mean? We'll think about this for a second. Son of God, second person of the Trinity, right? Co-eternal with the Father, comes to earth and puts on this, like flesh. Maybe he didn't have an oversized Uniqlo shirt and maybe he was probably a lot cooler than I was, but no, like, think about that. That's crazy. Son of God, second person of the Trinity, comes in flesh to a crowded room in Bethlehem, not just of people, but of animals too, into a controversial, non-Instagrammable birth story, needing to be burped, needing to have his nappy changed, needing to nap. Me too. Um, But God put on flesh to come to us, to dwell among us. Why? Well, John 10.10 says that, so we might have life and life to its full. And so that brings us to our our first point for tonight. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. If not, feel free just to draw a smiley face. Um, And it's that love is among us. Love came to dwell among us. Love came down to us. Love took on flesh. Love walked among us. Love died and rose again. Love has come to dwell in our hearts. Do you know love this evening? Verse 9, it goes on like this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Another translation, the KJV, it reads that in this was manifested the love of God towards us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. God showed us love. He manifested love. He made it visible. He made it clear to us. But more than that, he didn't just make it clear to us, but he made it dwell among us. Love is among us. And when I was thinking about this, I was like, oh, what's some sort of like analogy? You know, every good sermon has a little analogy to their point. And I was thinking about when COVID was first thing, right? Like we heard about COVID a lot. And you realize it's happening overseas, it's starting to happen in Australia. It's like, yeah, cool, 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 cool. But then you got COVID. And you're like, dang, things just changed. Things just got real. And all of a sudden, this like, this thing that you've heard about so many times, like some of the news, you're just flicking it off and you're like over it. 
You're like crippled in bed, sweating, but also cool at the same time, coughing, and you're like half in your room in the air conditioning and half out. That's a true story that happened to my housemate. Um, but it's like, it was, it was real when we caught it, right? Like it was there and it was clear and it was stinked. Like, I know what COVID is. But then when you received it and you had it, it was something different. It was similar to when I thought back to um, my wedding with Candice and uh, I was like, I remember sending out invitations to people, like, oh, I can't wait to see that person. And you see their RSVPs and you're like, yeah, cool, 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 that's great. But then when I was standing here looking out there and seeing all these people among us, I was like, oh, wow, something's different here. And this is what God has done with love. He's not only made it visible, but he's made it available among us. Something that dwells in our presence that is among us. But it doesn't actually help us define what love is. And, and so John goes on in verse 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, I grew up in a household of boys, and it was a wild time. And um, I don't know if you had any pets growing up, but we were a household full of pets. And, like, we had your classic bird-dog-cat combo, but not just that. Like, we had some exotic ones, too. We had a turtle, and we had, like, a blue-tongued lizard, and, like, all these other different in instruments, <laughs> animals. We didn't play them. Um, yeah. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> but why I bring this up is it, re it reflect helped me reflect. It was like, I remember the first time like having to ask your parents for one of those animals. And I don't know if you remember having any of these childhood memories when you're like mustering up the guts to ask your parents to, or your caregiver or, or whoever you hang out with to purchase you this gift, right? And so I'm thinking back to the turtle was mine, obviously, coolest animal ever. And so I'm like building up this essay in my head, like I'm why, top seven points on why I'd want a turtle. And like the last one is always, because I really, really love turtles, just like sourdough. Like I love turtles. And, you know, over time, mum and dad thankfully caved in. We got our reptile license at Wild. Um, and we owned a turtle. Um, but I don't know if you've ever owned them, but they get bigger and they get a little bit more boring and then like, you have to feed them and clean the tank because it's just like, I just got over it really quickly. And then all of a sudden, like, Dad's out there like, feeding the turtle. Mum's out there like, grabbing it as it scaled the fence in the backyard. Like, I, just, I just moved on and I didn't really care about this thing that I so desperately needed and that I so desperately wanted. And again, I just couldn't help but draw the cheesy parallel to what we define as love today. Like, it's in our TV shows all the time. There's, like, you know, someone's in love with this person, but then, oh, did you see how he looked at me? Like, I no longer love him, and I don't know, I don't watch those TV shows, those cheesy ones. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, there is something that flicks or something that shifts, and all of a sudden, this person who they, like, swore that they would marry, they just get voted off the show. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, that's not love. Like, like what is love? And we bring it one step closer, and, uh, like, you think of someone that you love. Like a friend, or maybe it's a dog, or maybe it's a... I'll stop talking about sourdough, I should. Um, but like something that you, you like sincerely and deeply love. And then you reflect on that experience, and, and you ask yourself, have I ever let them down? Have I ever done something that has hurt them or, or put distance in between us? And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, the answer is yes. And see, I think John highlights something here that's crucial about God's definition of love. What does verse, three, verse 10 read? It says that this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. See, love doesn't start with man. 
It doesn't start with us. It can't. It has to start with him. Love has to start with him. Because the verse goes on to say, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, if love started with me and my emotions and my attitudes and all those things that come up and down, if you hurt me once and then continued to hurt me, I would probably have a really hard time to continue to show you love, like if I'm honest. I would really struggle to do that. Because in the West, um, our love is often defined by our attraction or our affection towards something. Even more so, we define love as something that we enjoy from, that we intake, that we consume for our own pleasure or benefit. But friends, again, this is the radical nature of God's love. See, God's love is so fierce, so mighty, so wild that he can't dare to leave you where you are in your current state. So rather than redacting his love, he moves towards you into your mess, bearing the weight of your sin and your shame and your, your doubt and your guilt and all of these things. He moves towards you so he might bear that in all of its fullness so that you might receive light and life in all of its fullness. So you cannot define love by watching humanity try to love. We have to define love as God defines love. Now, if you've been around churches or Christian spaces or any of this kind of thing for any period of time, you would have heard the word agape come up. Like, it's probably tattooed cursively on, on my arm here, and, and it's something that you've heard being referred to. But uh, this is the type of love that this passage, this text brings up. And just to help us wrap our heads around what it is, I've got a few quotes here that really helped me have a deeper understanding, again, of this familiar word that I kind of just brushed off. Michael Wilkins defines defines agape as this unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which one gives oneself to another to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. Wow. Dallas Willard, he writes that love is not a feeling, but a divine way of relating to others and oneself that moves through every dimension of our beings and restructures our world for God. Significant. John Mark Comer, he writes, he's my best shot at defining agape love, a compassionate commitment to delight in the soul of another to the will that person's good ahead of your own, no matter the cost to yourself. Love is the desire not to take, but to give. And it's, settled in, and it's the settled intention of the heart to promote good in the life of another, to see the beauty inherit in another soul and help them come to see it as well. There's such a bigger picture of love. Such a bigger picture of love. And this is the love that we receive this Christmas. This is the love that we receive in Christ. See, this Advent love has not just come among us, but secondly, love has come towards us. It moves towards us when everything else in this world would move and shift away. No, Christ Jesus, his love, it moves towards us. We read, again, a familiar passage, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And one of my favorite passages, Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still broken, not put together, Christ moved towards us. Love didn't come for the strong. Love didn't come for the put together, for the elite, for the religious leaders. Love didn't come for the people who were professional Christians, but no, love 
came for the weak. Love came for whoever believes. Love came for the sinner. Love came for the broken. Love came for all, all people. And this leads me to uh, my final thought for tonight, and I'll, I'll wrap us up. But love came among us, love came towards us, and love came for us. Verse 11, it reads, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And the start of this verse and um, the start of verse 7 is exactly where I want us to finish up in our time this afternoon. Gosh, this is giving me high anxiety. Um, (laughs) Some translations actually write this, the start of the sentence, dear friends, is um, beloved. And I love this because once we dig a little bit deeper, sometimes our poor English translation like muddies up some really brilliant, like amazing stuff that should change our lives. When we dig a little bit deeper, this Deeper, this word beloved translates to those who are loved. So then when we read that passage again, what does it read? It says, those who are loved, let us love. Those who are loved, let us love. And so there's just a couple of things for us here tonight, I think, that we might be able to take away uh, from this. And I want to pray for you pray through a few things that I felt as I was preparing, and um, Loz, this might be a great time to jump up as well. But I want to know tonight, do you know that you were loved? Have you experienced this type of agape love that I defined and explained before? Do Do you know this love that is among us here this afternoon in this place in our hearts? Do you know this type of love that moves towards you even when you make mistakes, when you fall short, when you put things in between you and God? Do you know this type of love that doesn't step back but comes closer? Do you know this type of love that's for you? It's not against you in any shape or form. This love is for you. Because the second half of this sentence of that passage of scripture that I just read can't come without the first. Those who are loved, let us love. Because the second, yeah, like I said, it can't come. Because love compels, love drives us to action. It has to be our motivation. So we can't simply love one another if we first don't know that we are loved. I often laugh in, in Scripture when I see John refer to himself as the disciple that Jesus loves. I'm like, yeah, you and a heck of a lot of other people, buddy. <laughs> but as I was working through this, I just was like thinking about it more, and I was like, oh, I actually really wish I had the assurance and the confidence that John does. He knew that he was loved. Sam Aubrey puts it like this. He says, when you encounter Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by who you loved by who you love, you are defined by who has loved you. Wow. Simple but profound. When you encounter Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by who you love, but you are defined by who has loved you. And that surely is good news for all. Surely that's love that all people and all places can can resonate with, can find hope in and a promise in. And so I wonder tonight if, if maybe there's something you've, you've heard for the first time. Again, you, you know this word love, but this picture that we've kind of been painting and throwing up in the air and kind of catching is um, something a little bit bigger than you first thought. Maybe you've heard for the first time that love is actually among you, that it moves towards you and is for you. One that's not circumstantial, uh, circumstantial but is actually beneficial to your soul. 
Maybe you want to shut your eyes actually around this place. I just want to read another quote over us that um, really stirred something in me as I was preparing. It's by a guy called Spence Jones, and um, he writes this. Knowledge of Christ's love in a sense of an inward personal experience of it, its freeness, its tenderness, its depth, its patience, it's the great dynamic of the gospel. This love is transmuted into a spiritual force as the breeze fills the sails and bears forward the ship so the love of Christ fills the soul and moves it in the direction of God's will. Wow. But in its fullness, its path is knowledge, it is infinite, not to be grasped by mortal men, and therefore always presenting new fields to be explored and new depths to be fathomed. This is love. This is love. So as we just keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed, as I was preparing, I was just asking God and I was asking the Holy Spirit, like, what, what do you actually want to do with us? Because I'm very aware that there's probably nothing new or no fun like fact that you probably didn't know walking into this place. But I'm like, God, what do you actually want to illuminate in our hearts and souls tonight? And I got a couple of pictures and a couple of words, and these could all be wrong, and I could have missed it completely, but I would prefer to try. And the first one that I got is um, there's someone here this afternoon that's actually known for being a really nice person that does a lot of outward actions and good deeds for one another. But, but when you get home, you actually feel like you're crumbling to pieces. And the thought of experiencing this agape love of God actually sounds really too good to be true. If that's you, can I just ask you, as eyes are closed, could you just raise your hand if that resonates with you in your heart? Is there anyone here that that rings true? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Why don't we just pray together? Actually, I'll, I'll keep moving. We'll pray for all of these at the end. Thank you so much. The, the second one that I got as we were preparing um, is the part of the verse where it talks about loving one another. Oh, sorry, I'm reading wrong. Just keep closing your eyes, this is great. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. The second picture I had, um, as I felt, it was a Christian in the room. There might be more than one, there might be none. Um, And you've, like I said before, you've heard a million sermons like this, but for whatever reason, your heart is yearning um, to, like I mentioned before, experience this love afresh. Maybe it's grown stale, grown old, grown familiar. but this idea of agape love sounds like something you would like to be reignited within your heart again. If that's you, can I just get you to, to raise your hand as well? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Just the last one as we wrap up tonight. There's been so many people that have put their hands up that um, want prayer, so know that you're not alone here. But I did just want to give the opportunity for anyone who um, actually haven't given their full trust in Jesus. That maybe this idea of agape love was the first time you've heard of it. Maybe it was this new, brand new idea that you have, yeah, never heard of or never even considered that could be true for your life. Maybe tonight you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time and Again, if that's you, can I just ask you that you could raise your hand just to be so bold that we could pray for you? Thank you. 
Thank you so much. fall short of words sometimes because it's funny how the common theme in all of those is just this need to again feel the love of Christ and I wish it was something that I could say that I've perfected and I've mastered by now but me too man isn't it something that we if we're honest we all yearn for we all want to know deeper and so God I I just pray tonight specifically for those people who raise their hands Firstly, for the person that just feels like um, they do so much for other people, but when they get home, they just fall apart and, and this idea of agape love is foreign. God, I pray that in this moment that um, your presence would be near. God, I pray that uh, your sister would know the presence deep in her heart this afternoon. That agape love would not just be made visible, but be made known in her heart. And God, I pray that every time she returns home from work or from hanging out with friends, that home would turn into this place where she actually could find peace, that she could find shalom, that she would connect to nearness with you, to presence with you. And God, we believe that for that circumstance and situation. God, I pray for, for the Christians that raise their hand in this room that uh, want to feel your love afresh again this agape love, this one that isn't defined by circumstances or situations. Love that moves towards, not away. Again, Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill our hearts afresh once again. God, I pray for physical encounters with you. That again, love is just not this thing that we decide to talk about here and then, but God, no, love is a person and his name is Jesus. He's alive in each and every one of our hearts. So God, I just pray for those Jesus followers again, that their heart would come alive to the truth that is your love for them. And lastly, God, I I just thank you so much for the gentleman that responded to your invitation here this afternoon. We read in scripture that all of heaven rejoices when sons and daughters return home. And so just to to finish off our our kind of time here together before we go back into worship, I wonder if you could kind of stand to your feet and we can pray this prayer together. Those who responded and those didn't, why don't we stand? And this prayer is, um, it's nothing magical. It's no words that I got this like download from heaven, but it's just something that helps us posture our hearts to start walking in relationship with Jesus. And so, yeah, why don't we close our eyes again and just maybe repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for the life that I've lived. Would you come into my heart? Remind me of your love for me, God. Make me new and clean in your sight. Jesus, I give you my life. Help me to follow your ways. Amen. I don't believe that's all the conversation you might have with him, but I believe it's a really good start. So we're going to go into a time of worship and um, 
the band's going to beautifully lead us. But if you want further prayer for anything, maybe it's part of the, the passage that we didn't quite get to at the end, loving one another, and you, you're finding that really difficult, or maybe you responded to one of those invitations and you want some further prayer, we'd love to do that with you. And so there'll be some people up down the front here if you want prayer. There's some people in the back corners as well. I can see Sandra there, just always ready, and I love it. If you want prayer, let's do that together as family tonight. Um, But if not, why don't you join us as we sing together as well?